Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Man, I know I am. You know, sometimes we like feedback. Pastors, we like it when people say amen. We really like it when people pat you on the back and say, you did a good job. So proud of you. But last Sunday, I got some feedback And I know it was constructive, (laughs) but it took me just a moment to get over it. You know, I preached last Sunday and we didn't have the pulpit and I just walked back and forth and quoted scripture. I felt so good about that until somebody recommended that I not turn sideways when I'm on stage (laughs) because it made my belly look so big. Yeah. Yeah, I did not get offended. And I want you to remember that while I'm preaching this message. I didn't get offended. But I did make a commitment, which I'm not sure I can keep. The commitment is that I'm going to stand right behind the pulpit and I'm not going to turn sideways. I tell people I've spent a lot of good money To get this out there. Yeah. The Lord's been good to us. Hallelujah. Hey, this morning, I want to speak to you on a very important subject. And I mean, no exaggeration. This is extremely important. And the fact is that most of us as Christians rarely give it a thought in our daily lives. But I'm going to share it with you this morning, and it'll make a difference in your life. But before I do, I just want to tell you that uh, in the world in which we live, this is not considered a virtue. Our, Our culture, our society does not look at this as something good. In fact, the world looks down on it and makes fun of it. But in the Bible, it's like this most important thing when it comes to our walk and our relationship with the Lord. I mean, mean, it, it it, it is something very, very important. Here it is. Pull it up. I think that was a collective groan. Yeah. What if humility? So I'm, I'm asking you today, what if humility is so important that it is impossible to walk with the Lord without it. What if humility is truly a prerequisite to everything that's good and godly and pleasing to the Lord in our lives? 
meaning that without humility, nothing else we do matters. It doesn't get us anywhere. And, and that's, let me put it in a, a, a negative tone. What if the lack of humility in our lives separates us from the grace of God, from the blessings of God, from the favor of God? And even worse than that, what if the lack of humility causes our God to actually work against us? Do I have your attention? Yeah, this is, this is serious business. Now, the Bible tells us in no uncertain terms that humility is a requirement. It, it is an absolute must if you want to walk with the Lord, if you want God on your life, if you want the blessings of God in your home, your business, whatever it is you're doing, you, you have to have humility. Now, as the pastors in this church will tell you and I will tell you, no exaggeration, dozens and dozens and dozens of scripture on this subject from Old Testament, New Testament. And I encourage you to spend some time uh, looking up humility, what it means to be humble. And you'll find so many scriptures. I, I had dozens. I think I had 29 pages of notes on this. And then I just gave up. Because the Bible's pretty much redundant on the subject. It just keeps telling us the same thing over and over. You have to be humble. Nothing else is acceptable with our God. But what I'll do this morning is I'll give you one passage out of the Old Testament, and I'll give you another passage out of the New Testament, and they both basically say the same thing. And if you have not already marked these in your Bible, you need to do so. You may want to print it out and put it on your bathroom mirror. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? Now, let me just stop there. This is not a suggestion. This is not up for uh, debate. It's not an option. The Lord requires of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, now, friends, if you want to know how you should live, walk, and talk, this is the whole Bible in a nutshell. Three things. Do justly. That means do what's right. And if you really want to know what's right, and you can't find out in the world because the world's got right and wrong turned upside down. Do what's right. If you want to know what's right, read your Bible. Get in a Bible study class. Keep coming to church. Uh, Be around Christian people because God's ways are not our ways and God's ways certainly are not the world's ways. So, So first of all, do justly, do what's right. And then love mercy. That means be compassionate and forgiving in all of your dealings with others. All of your dealings with others. There, there is never a time in your life when it's okay for us to be rude and ugly and hateful and mean. People talk about, I want to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust me, you are a witness. You're either a good witness or a bad witness, but you are a witness. So, so do what's right, love mercy, be compassionate, 
and forgiving in all your dealings with other people and then walk humbly with your God. Humbly submit yourself to the Lord, his teachings and his word. In other words, do what God says do. And, and that will make a huge difference in your life. Now, there's no mistaking, this is a requirement. Now, when we go to the New Testament, you can write this one down, James 4, 6. It says, but he, speaking of God, but he gives more grace. Now, let me stop right there. I tell you, the older I get and the more I read the Bible, the more I'm stopping. I'll read like two words and stop. More grace. I'm not real sure about you, but I know about me. I need more grace. Come on, wave your hand at me if you need more grace. Every now and then somebody will walk up to me and say, you're such an awesome pastor and and you're such a great man of God and you're so wonderful. And I feel about that high when they tell me that because I know it's not true. You see, we all fall short of the glory of God. We all make mistakes. We all from time to time slip away and do that which is right in our own eyes, say something that we shouldn't say. And I'm standing before you to tell you today that your pastor needs more grace. And because I need more grace, this passage has my attention. So here it is. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Oh, my goodness. Man, I I want more grace and therefore humility has to be a pursuit of my life and your life. You don't get more grace by doing what you want to do the way you want to do it. You get more grace by doing what God tells you to do, and that's to humble yourself before God. We, We need to remember that he's God and we're not. He gives the orders and we don't. He's in management. We're in labor. We do what he says do. All right. Now, it says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Choose humility, walk with God, and receive more grace, but refuse to be humble. Take on a spirit of pride, and the Bible says that God will resist you. Now, child of God, I need to talk to you just for a moment. I looked up that word resist. You know what it means? It means to range in battle against. It means to oppose, to set yourself in battle against something. Or in this case, God's saying, I will, he will set himself in battle against us. Now, that, that should get your attention. Right, right there. Now, you may be sitting there today saying, oh, pastor, you've stepped over some theological lines right now because Jesus is my savior and, and God is my father and he would never set himself in battle against me. Well, maybe we need to rethink that. Let me begin with an illustration then I'll point out some scripture for you. When I was growing up, uh, I love my mother and father, still do to this day. And I, I'll tell you something that's kind of neat. Not too long ago, and all these years, I'd had dreams about a lot of people and a lot of things, but I'd never had a dream about my father. 
And about, I don't know how long ago it's been now, not too long, I had a dream about my father. I dreamed I saw my father. And I dreamed that I walked up to him and he walked up to me and not a word was said, but I put my arms around him and I I put my head on his shoulder and I just started sobbing. And it wasn't a a, a sorrow type of sobbing. I was just, it was just so wonderful. I, ha, I missed my father so much and I just sobbed. And then the dream was over. Let me tell you something about my father. When I was growing up, every now and then, he would set himself in battle against me. Now, he didn't do it because he hated me, did it because he loved me. He did it because it was redemptive. He did it to correct me. He did it because he saw me going in the wrong direction. He would set himself in battle against me. And friends, I'm here to tell you that every time he set himself in battle against me, I lost. And not only did I lose, I learned. Your heavenly father loves you too much to not set himself against you when you're going in the wrong direction. And he does it in a redemptive matter. There are other places in the Bible for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. That's a strong word. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. If almighty God is your father, sometimes he'll bust your bottom. And sometimes when you're going in the wrong direction, he'll get right in the middle of that direction and oppose you and set himself against you. Why? To drive you back to where he wants you to be. And there are times when things hurt in our lives, but it's an act of mercy because God is stopping us in our tracks. Every now and then, And this has happened for many, many years. Somebody will say, and if you've said this, don't feel bad about this. There's nothing wrong with what I'm about to say. I've said it before, but I've had people to walk up to me. I'm sure the other pastors in this church have had the same thing. And they'll say, Pastor, I just want you to know the devil's been on my trail all week long. Boy, the devil's just been, been beating the daylights out of me. I feel like the demons of hell are napping at my heels and, and they're just tracking me down and, and everything that can go wrong is going wrong. And, and I need you to pray for me. I need to rebuke the devil. I need to get him off my back. I've never actually done this. But since I'm announcing it today, I'll probably start doing it. But I want to say, how do you know it's the devil? How do you know it's the devil? How do you know it's not God doing exactly what he said he would do, resisting the proud? So far, this is not one of those feel-good messages, is it? What What about praying like this? When things are going wrong, and we should pray, and by the way, it may be the devil, and it may be the demons of hell coming against you, But here's a good question to ask when you're going through something before you blame it on the devil. Why don't you ask this question? What am I even attempting for the glory of God that would warrant the devil's attention? (laughs) 
Should I say that again? When, when, when you feel like you're under attack from the enemy, what are you even attempting that would warrant the devil's attention? I'm more and more believing that what happens in my life is more God's hand than the enemy's. Yeah. Can you imagine? Sometimes we get all, we, we get our theology confused and we don't know what to do. And, and sometimes we're rebuking the devil and I take authority over this demon spirit and, and I drive this spirit out and, and I'm resisting the devil and he's got to go and the devil's standing over saying, I didn't have anything to do with it. Why are you rebuking me? It's not me. Now, sometimes he will, and he is a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour, but the same Bible that tells us that tells us that God will resist those who are proud. Are you hearing me today? Maybe you should stop, and maybe you should pray when you're going through something. I recommend this regardless of where the problem's coming from, but maybe you should stop, and maybe you should pray Lord, am I getting too puffed up? Lord, Lord, am I, this was a saying I used to hear when I was growing up, so I'll use it. Lord, am I getting too big for my britches? Lord, have I elevated myself so high that you're, not in approval anymore? Lord, have I become so full of pride and arrogance and conceit and selfishness that you are actually putting yourself in front of me and opposing me? We're talking scripture now. Now, the good thing about praying like that, and sometimes we don't know, do we? Sometimes we don't know if, if this is of the devil or if it's of the Lord, but I'm telling you, you start praying like that, you get on your face and you start praying like that, and I don't care where the problem's coming from, God will get involved in the equation. God will show up. Now, so we've looked Old Testament, we've looked New Testament. We, we do know that it is a requirement, it is a must. We know that when we do it, we get blessed, we get more grace. We know that when we refuse to be humble, that God himself resists us. But what do we do? How, how, where's the illustration? I'll give you the, the greatest illustration of all times. You'll never find anything better than this. And the Bible gives it to us. This is our example. This is our illustration. I'll quote it because I want you to listen, then we'll pull it up on the screen and you'll see the reference. But just listen to this. Let this mind be in you the Bible saying, let this mind be in you. This is the way God wants you to think. This is the way God wants you to feel. This is the way God wants you to act. This is what he wants in your head and in your heart. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, 
God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now that begins with let this mind be in you. Jesus went from the highest high of heaven to the lowest low of earth. And guess what? When he got there, God was there. And God raised him up. And this is what it said. Let this mind be in you. Jesus was in heaven. He was God. He was God. He was with God. And yet he came and he took the journey down. And friends, I want to tell you, that's humility. That's humility. When when we take the journey down. Oh, goodness alive. Now, I can tell you the world doesn't like this. And if you start doing it, people get irritated. Stand up for yourself. Yeah, don't let people push you around. You have rights. You're important. What are you doing? You don't have to say anything, or you could. I'm doing what my God says to Vengeance is his. I'm I'm laying it down before him. The world world doesn't like this kind of stuff. The the world. Listen, you'll have to divorce yourself from the theology, and there's probably a better word because it's not theology, the chaos and confusion of the world. You'll have to divorce yourself from that to step into the biblical humility that brings forth more grace. I got to share this with you. One of our former presidents said this, strong and wrong beats weak and right. One of our presidents said that. And and, And believe it or not, it wasn't Donald Trump. Sounds like him. It was Bill Clinton. Hmm. I don't even know how to interpret that response. Look it up for yourself. You can find it. You can read it in context. He said strong and wrong beats weak and right. That's, that's the world's philosophy. That's the word I was looking for a while ago. That's the world's philosophy, but that's not what God's word teaches us. First of all, friends, I want to tell you that truth and right is not weak. It may feel weak. It may not feel like the right thing to do, but truth and right is not weak. And the second thing I want to tell you is this, and that is that's what's wrong with America today. It's what's wrong with Washington It's what's wrong with our government. And I'm talking both sides of the aisle. And that is they're more concerned about being strong than being right. They're pushing their agenda. And because of that, America is stumbling and spiraling downward. And things are getting worse and worse in our nation. Here's one quote that I have loved for a long time. D.L. Moody said this, a preacher of a long time ago. He said, be humble or you'll stumble. Remember that one. Be humble or you'll stumble. So I'm asking you today, would you take the journey into humility? Would you stop getting your feelings hurt? 
Oh, would you stop feeling sorry for yourself? Not too long ago, and I'm talking weeks now, not years. Not too long ago, I got my feelings hurt. Do you understand what that means when you get your feelings hurt? Uh, Listen to the scripture, Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. Read it with me, last line. And, And nothing shall offend them. Wow. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop getting your feelings hurt. It it, it works like this. When, When you are walking with God, I mean, you're hearing the voice of the Lord, you're in the word of God, you're doing what he tells you to do. The world can throw all the rocks they want to throw at you and it won't bother you a bit in the world. But then when you separate and you get away from the word, then the enemy knows he can, he can really start working on you and driving you crazy. I'm, I'm just saying that I don't, and it's me. I got offended not long ago. I had to get over it. Now, I was not offended when somebody told me not to turn sideways. And yeah, I was already working on this message. So I, the Lord had prepared me for it. And so, so no offense. Listen, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get the anger and the pride and the jealousy and the bragging and the boasting. Get it out of your life. Stop being defensive. Get in the word of God. There is a place. I know it's hard to believe in this offensive, broken world we live in, but there is a place of no offense. There is a place in the sweet, wonderful, beautiful presence of our Savior when it is well with our souls. There, I, I tell you. Hey, on the jealousy. You get, get jealousy out. Jealousy is a... Man, you, if you're jealous, you're, you're full of pride. I don't know really if this has anything to do with what I'm preaching, but I got to share it with you. It says when guys get jealous, I don't know who wrote this. It says when guys get jealous, it's actually kind of cute. When girls get jealous, World War III is about to start. (laughs) And listen to this. A jealous woman does better research than the FBI. I'm not sure why I shared that with you, but anyway. (laughs) There's something about humility that brings in the presence of Almighty God. I can tell you there can be people who will check every box and do everything right. And and if you think about it, this was the scribes and the Pharisees of old. Man, they they were so legalistic and so right. And Jesus even gives illustrations about about those who were fasting and doing everything right. And then some poor sinner just bows before the Lord and smotes his chest and says, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Jesus said, he's the one that goes to his house justified. I'm going to tell you, you want God's attention? Humble yourself. It's hard to do. Especially when you and your wife aren't getting along. Or you and your husband. 
or your neighbors. But there's something amazing about humility that brings in the presence of the Lord. The Lord taught me this early in my ministry. I was pastoring my first little church, Mount Olive Baptist Church, just below Bainbridge, Georgia. I was so proud to be there. And I was on my way to being the greatest preacher that the Southern Baptist Convention had ever had the privilege of having. I'd been there only a few weeks, but I had some sermons now. And I was working on this sermon. And I mean, I worked on this sermon. And I was ready, and I knew we didn't have but about 30 or 40 people there, but this was going to be my, my launching pad. I was going to preach that sermon, and before it was over with, it was going to go all around the world. <laughs> we can have some grandiose thoughts, can't we? I was going to be smooth. I was going to be powerful. Uh, th- this message was going... Uh, to, to touch them intellectually and stab them emotionally. Man, I was so excited. And I got in the pulpit and I started preaching. And everything was going fine. Until I decided, and I started early in my ministry quoting scripture. But I decided I was going to quote a passage from the book of Acts. This is a true story. I'm telling you, I'm not making any of this up. And I started quoting it. And I messed it up. I mean, I got so confused, but I wouldn't be outdone. Things like that happen when you're doing everything live. And so I said, hey, folks, I messed that up. Let me circle back around and I'll, I'll get it right this time. And I started quoting it again and I messed it up again. And now I'm beginning to sweat and I'm getting kind of nervous. And I said, listen, I will not be outdone. This is so important. God wants you to hear this. And so it was from the book of Acts. And so I took my Bible and I thought, well, I'll just turn to it and read it. I've already embarrassed myself. And I would turn to it. And I said to the congregation, I'll just turn to it and read it. So just hold on. I'm good. And I could not find the book of Acts. No, no, no. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John Romans. (laughs) I believe to this day with all my heart, I believe to this day that God took the book of Acts out of my Bible for that moment (laughs) because he was about to teach me a lesson. And I don't, I believe it's all my heart. I believe God set himself against me that day. He knew how puffed up. He knew how prideful I was. And I, I said, and I I mean, I'm dying on stage. I said, I can't find the book of Acts. And I said, my intent was to say, could somebody here please look up Acts? And I gave them the address, but I didn't get it all out. I said, could somebody help me? And, but I never got any further than that. And some woman in the congregation hollered out, She said, nobody can help you now, pastor, but the Lord. (laughs) I'm, but that's good advice. 
I want to tell you, I, we all need help in some areas of our lives, and, and counselors are good. Nobody can really help us but the Lord. Now, in those days, we had this big wooden pulpit. I mean, it was that big, and it had all kind of stuff in it. It was wood. You couldn't see through it like this one. And when she said, nobody can help you but the Lord, I fell to my knees behind that pulpit. And I started crying. I just started crying and praying. There was every time in my life I wanted to take off and run from the ministry. It was at that moment. And I cried and prayed. And it got real quiet. And then finally, because I didn't have anywhere else to go, I stood up and I said, church, I'm so sorry. I have failed you today. I'm so sorry. Please, please forgive me. I don't really remember what all I said, but it took me about two minutes to say what I had to say. And then I said, if there's somebody here who needs to receive the Lord, if you'll come forward, I believe the Lord will save you in spite of my mess up and five people got up and walked down the aisle and gave their hearts to Jesus and I want to tell you that was in the early days of my ministry and to this day I've never gone to the pulpit with that kind of confidence because I got to tell you when you get real confident about your ability when you get real uh, confident about what you can do, God will get in the way. God, God knows how to bring the proud down. He that exalts himself shall be abased. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Before that service was over that day, people were crying and weeping because God had touched them. It, it was not in, my, in me pulling something off so glorious. It was in my brokenness that God used me. It's in your brokenness that God will use you. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we ask you now to bless us today that this will not be just a truth that we've heard from the pulpit. But Father, would you bless us today to understand how important it is to humble ourselves before you. Humility. To say not my will, but your will be done. To think less of ourselves and more of you. Father, we're asking you to help us humble ourselves. We don't want you to humble us, Lord. We know you can but you said a long time ago, if my people who are called by my name, listen, church, shall humble themselves. Lord, you said if we would humble ourselves, turn from our sin, pray, seek your face. You'd hear from heaven, forgive our sins and heal our land. Lord, I, I just ask that you'd move upon us today. There's not one person in this house that's sinless. There's not one person in this house who has not made many, many mistakes. 
thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, help us to remember that there is a place of humility where not just grace, but more grace is poured out. Lord, move upon this service. I ask you in Jesus' name. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m., in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.